On the program tonight, we're going to talk about grace. A very important subject, uh, one that we need to discuss frequently. We need to talk about God's grace and our need for it. All right. It's going to be an important discussion. You'll want to stay tuned, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, September 27th, 2018. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. Good to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Again, how many weeks in a row is this now? Uh, at least uh, the Four? month of uh, September. So oh, wow. Yeah. It's a trend, and we like it. Uh, we're glad that you're here on the other end of the line tonight, and we want to hear from you at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, and in the chat room with other listeners tonight. You're getting in the chat room there, I see. I'm trying to. My computer crashed just as we were coming up. All right. We have some bumper stickers still that we'd like to send to you. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address to send your snail mail address to, and you get those free of charge. Yeah, we'd love to get those out to you. And and, and even beyond just the uh, the bumper stickers, if you can um, help us spread the news, tell other people about the virtual Bible study, you know, just word of mouth kind of thing. Anything you can do to help us get the word out, we'd appreciate it. All right. And if you have someone who would like to come on the program, whether they agree or disagree with us, uh, send us an email. Uh, so we can work on arranging something along those lines. Talking about grace on the program tonight, we got some. But, but before we do that, oh, yeah. we got a little got a little housekeeping to do before we get. You know, we've been saying that we are open to your suggestions or how we can improve the program and how we might make things better. And we actually got some feedback on that last week, uh, and, and we wanted to kind of comment about it. We had a, a participant in the chat room last week who pretty seriously disagreed with some of the things we were saying. Uh, but he, he he said some things about the way we conduct the program that we kind of want to address. And I, I just I, I printed off the log from last week's chat room, and I, I just highlighted a few of the things that he said. I just want to respond to it because we want to be open, and if we're doing a bad job, we want, we want to acknowledge that. Uh, however, I do think that, that some of this uh, is – perhaps not a fair evaluation of us. He says, uh, and, and this guy didn't give his name. He was working under maybe a guest a guy, number. Maybe a woman. Maybe, maybe it might have been a woman. He yeah. or she. It says, these guys keep saying that we can all agree alike, and if you disagree, get the blank out. Uh, in other words, that we don't allow anybody who disagrees with us, that you're not welcome if you disagree with us, which is actually... Contract, uh, contrasted by what you just said a minute ago. Even if you disagree, we would love to hear from you, and we can discuss things that we might disagree about. So I don't think that that's fair. And if we've given the impression that we're not open to those who take a different point of view, uh, we would certainly apologize for that because we actually invite that. We we make frequent attempts to try and get denominational preachers, for instance, to join us on the virtual Bible study to talk about our doctrinal differences. We have a Baptist preacher uh, who's tentatively agreed to be with us. We're having a little trouble pinning down a date. Uh, but we, we think that that's a very beneficial kind of study and helpful to us all. And we're not, we're not against that at all. So no. we, we don't demand that, that you agree with us in order to send in comments, call on the phone, join us for a whole program. We, we make those invitations. Uh, he says we're just fighting. He says these fights are just about winning and being right. Absolutely. Well, they are about win- being right with God, but yeah. not about us being right and winning a fight. Yeah. I remember uh, a friend who, who used to say, when you go to a Bible study and you come back home after a Bible study and you, your wife asks you, how, how did it go? You don't say, I won. 
Yeah. Well, it's not about winning. It's about trying to discover truth. Uh, and truth and so, is the only winner. That's right. And so, yeah, we, uh, we 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 beg you to show us if we're wrong. We don't want. We're not trying to sit up here and say we got the answers figured out and, and there, we couldn't be wrong. We want if we're wrong, we want to hear it. Yeah. He goes on to say, if you say that you know all the right answers, I say you are a whitewashed tomb. I, I would challenge. I would challenge you. And I, I know there's an awful lot of hours of archives on our website. We, we've been doing the virtual Bible study for over 13 years. Uh, and so there's something like 650 plus hours worth of listening out there. But I would challenge you to find one single place where we ever said or even hinted at the idea that we know all the right answers. We've never said that. In fact, we've said just the opposite. We don't claim to have it all figured out. We we have a goal in mind that that's what we're striving for. But there's nobody that's ever been on this program that says we've got all the right answers. No, no. Um, We change it to change the name of our program. We'll just call it we have all the right answers hour. no. Oh, come on. He says, you guys say you're not high and mighty, then you go on being high and mighty. I really I really don't know how to address that. Uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what we do with that. I, I don't feel that way. I, I hope we don't come across that way. If we do, we'll try to do better. Uh, well, that, that's not our mindset. Um he says, I'm tired of the rhetoric that if we agree, I'm right like you. But if I disagree, then I don't care about God's word. Uh, or I just don't want to change. Yeah. We never said that either. Well, we ne- never said it, never implied it. Uh, we, we believe that people are sincere that disagree with us. Yeah. Uh, we certainly understand that. And we and uh, and so and this get this listener, uh, he or she, uh, I don't doubt their sincerity either. And then real quickly, just a couple more things. He said there's zero humility, zero compassion. Again, I hope we don't come across that way. It's not our intention to come across that way. Uh, to me, that's very harsh uh, judgment of us. But uh, sometimes we're subject to harsh judgments in this world. That's just a matter of fact. But I hope we do not, to the to the, our general listening audience, I hope we do not come across as with zero humility and zero compassion. He says, we're just a bunch of folks sitting around talking about how right we are. And if you try, you can be right like us, too. <laughs> never uh, said that. We, we never said anything like Nor that. Nor do we think uh, that. Uh, right. And then, again, he repeats, we're whitewashed tombs. Yep. Uh, it's a very harsh he, message. Oh, it got even harsher. Uh, the listener said, you have never demonstrated any humility. Yeah. <laughs> I love, well... I love the way that, at the end, listener said, you lost a viewer tonight. See you in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, for whitewashed tombs, we're not going to be there. Yeah, we wouldn't be in heaven. Uh, And so we certainly, we've got to, yeah, okay. All right. Um, So that's just, uh, again, we've been asking for feedback, and that's feedback. Uh, I hope it's... uh, I hope it doesn't accurately represent what the, the the majority of our listening audience thinks about the way we conduct the program. But we're not perfect, and we acknowledge that we're not perfect. We don't know everything, and we acknowledge that we don't know everything. And and so we just we just keep trying to get better. Yeah. So if you think we come across as arrogant, we're right, you're wrong, and we're here to win a fight. We're just itching for a fight. Uh, we're whitewashed tombs. We need to hear from you about that because, well, we're, that's certainly the opposite of everything that we're trying to do on this program. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. So now, still from the same guy's comments, the reason we've decided to talk about grace on our program tonight is he said, there are a couple of words I haven't heard tonight, mainly our need for grace and God's desire for us to be humble. And then later he said, there's no focus on the gospel, no focus on God's grace and our need for it at every breath. So we want to talk about grace because we agree that it's a very important Bible subject and our need for it is unending. And so we want to talk about grace tonight. Actually, we've talked about it before. I went back in our archives and searched and we've had in the past, we've had four whole programs devoted to the subject of grace, which may not be enough. Uh, when you think about a 13-year period of time, and we've only we've only specifically targeted the subject of grace four times, 
that's probably not enough. We acknowledge that that's that that may be, but you, you, know, you know when you're talking about various Bible subjects, if, if our subject tonight is uh, instrumental music, well, we're probably not going to mention grace because that's not in the subject line that we're dealing with. Or if our topic is. Uh, um, God's plan for the family. God's plan for the family. We may very well not mention the word grace, but that doesn't mean just because on this hour of Bible study each week that we don't mention it all the time does not mean that it's not important to us uh, or that we understand the critical, essential nature of grace. And so we want to address it tonight. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. You sent some questions earlier today to frame up our discussion today. All right. So to our update list earlier today, get on our list. If you're not, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to the list. To our list earlier today, we sent out these questions. Define grace. Why do we need it? And to whom is it available? Okay. Number two, is it true that grace means there's nothing we must do to be saved? Obedience is unnecessary Doctrinal differences are irrelevant. Does grace mean that? And then finally, is eternal salvation guaranteed to the believer because of grace? All right. Lots of folks teaching about grace and uh, maybe affirming some of the things that we're talking about tonight. We want to look to the scriptures and and learn what the Bible tells us about God's grace. Again, 877-381-4567 is the toll-free line, and it's wide open, ready for you tonight. All right. You know... In, in our lifetimes, we, we often receive gifts and favors and assistance from people. I mean, that's very common in life. Uh, uh, you know, uh, people do kind things for you that, that you, when you need help, maybe they jump in and help you. Maybe they give you a gift on a special day, do a special favor for you. Usually those are people uh, that we're close to, family and friends and so forth. And what we try to do when we get a favor is typically we try to return the favor. That's what we often call it, right? Well, you're going to return the favor. Yeah, yeah. So somebody does a favor for us, and we try to return the favor. It's rare for us to receive a, 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 such a favor from a stranger. Uh, uh, this guy didn't even know me, and but he did something good for me. Uh, I didn't deserve his help. And there's no chance that I'm going to be able to be reciprocal in in the matter. I'm, no, I don't. You know, I am not going to ever be in a position to help him like he helped me. Um, sometimes in the in the news we hear about people doing what they now the, sort of. I think the handle they put on that is random acts of kindness. Yes. So we, we occasionally hear about these random acts of of, of kindness. Uh, uh, have you heard about these people when you? When you pull up to the drive-through window at the fast food store, and you pull up there to pay, and the and the gal says, "The guy in front of you paid for you." That happened to me not too long ago. Yeah, I had sort of it blew once. me away. It's amazing. And and I, I was sort of in shock. And my wife says, "You're supposed to pay for the guy behind you." I said, oh, "Okay, I'll pay for the guy behind me." What did uh, he get? Did he get more than you got? He, he oh. was doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he worked so out. So I pulled in there for a out. cup of coffee, and the guy behind me has yeah. a ten-course meal. He came out okay in the deal, but that's all right. Yeah. But anyway, that's the, the idea of receiving a, a, a favor, some, someone doing something good for you, especially in the case of, of the fact of, of a situation where you didn't deserve it, and there's no chance you could ever pay it back. That sort yeah. of thing. Well. Uh, the idea of grace covers that way more. I mean, that's just sort of a uh, uh, not even a decent analogy of what grace is. Grace has to do with our something we desperately need, uh, but we have no merit. No, we don't deserve what we need. What what we are depending upon getting, we don't deserve. Uh, we're unworthy, and so grace is really important. Okay. And and so we want to talk about uh, grace, what it is. The uh, the expression unmerited favor of God uh, is is a, it, that's a pretty common expression that God has has shown His favor toward us when we didn't deserve it. That's that's pretty good. I mean, that's I think that's. 
very important understanding of grace. It probably goes a little bit beyond there. Not only did he give give us what we don't deserve, he didn't give us what we do deserve. Right. And so it, it sort of goes both ways. Uh, and I think uh, one of our emailers tonight, Stephen, uh, he, he touched on that in his email. Yeah, Stephen says, grace and truth is a person, Jesus. John one seventeen for the law was given by through grace. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus. The law was given by Moses. By Moses, sorry. Grace and truth were given by realized by Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. The identity of the law is identified with the man Moses. Grace is identified with the man Jesus. The book, the textbook answer of unmerited favor does not give enough of an explanation to define the term, since some define it as God giving man what he does not deserve and withholding. That's what it. man does deserve. I think that's it. I think that's. I think we, we do a better job of defining grace when we say it that way. God gave, gave us what we didn't deserve and could never merit or earn, but He also didn't give us what we did earn, what we did deserve to receive. Yeah. And so I think you have to look at that both ways. All right. Uh, so uh, grace is undeserved. It's unmerited favor of God. Uh, a couple uh, verses suggest this kind of a definition. Psalm eighty-four, eleven: For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Notice, God, his grace provides everything that is good to us. No good thing will he withhold. He will give grace. No good thing will he withhold. By his grace, he gives us all good things. He okay. will not withhold from us. In James chapter 1, verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Um, I, I, you know, I, we use that verse most often to talk about the very basic necessities of physical life. And we believe that we are blessed with the, the necessities of physical life, but also uh, certainly God's grace most especially has to do with the spiritual blessings that he has provided. First Corinthians 1, verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. Romans 5, verse 8, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, God, uh, Christ died for us. Verse 7 of that context uh, helps us to understand grace even more. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So yeah. we didn't deserve it. You see that unmerited part of it, the unmerited yeah. favor. that we, I was You weren't up here and deserving it. No, you were down here. You were a, a sorry, miserable, being, wretched sinner. Had no... No way in the world that you would deserve that, and yet God showed his love and his grace for us in sending his son. Exactly right. Um, and then Psalm 8, verse 4, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? You know, the psalmist there was saying, you know, it's amazing that God in heaven would care to look down on us in favor when we are so miserable and undeserving, and yet he did. And that's the idea of God's grace. All right. We are way overdue for a break. And while we're getting that break, we'd love to hear from you at 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Enjoying the Virtual Bible Study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Misconception number 34. The folks at the College View Church of Christ think you have to go to their church to go to heaven. Everyone else goes to hell. You may have heard this, but it's simply not true. We probably believe the same thing you do. We definitely believe the same thing Jesus did in Matthew 7:21. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter to heaven, but those who do the will of my Father will. You may have been misled about us. Why not come learn the truth about the College of Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m.? Remember, the truth will set you free. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you do. Attitude determines how well you do it. The older I get, the more wisdom I find in the ancient rule of taking first things first, a process which often reduces the most complex human problem to a manageable proportion. The first quote was from football coach Lou Holtz. The second was from President Dwight D. Eisenhower. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? 
Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about grace and our need for it. Heard from Peter down in Australia, down under tonight. Down under. Been hey, a long Peter. time. Yeah, we Peter. haven't heard from you, Peter, in a while. Well, he says he needs his email address changed because Microsoft. I'm going to save that message. Yeah. Remind he, me to He say says that. Microsoft is continually putting your emails into junk mail. Whoa, what about, what about it? Along with everything that comes from my church. He said possibly Microsoft carrying out Satan's work. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that, but maybe. Uh, 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 we, 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 we'll do our best to get you in a different email setting there, Stephen. Thank you. Or, uh, I mean, uh, Peter. Thank Peter. you, Peter, for your email. He says, grace is a gift of God that allows us to enter heaven, even though no one on earth deserves that privilege. God's grace is available to all who accept and obey him. Thank okay, you. I think you're exactly right, Stephen. Um, just Peter. To, Peter. Well, I keep saying Stephen. We got another email from Stephen, but that, we're talking about Peter there, yeah. Peter. Um, just to emphasize a little bit more this idea of it's not, it's something that we could never deserve or earn. Yeah. It's, it, because it provides for us something that we could never do on our own. So, you know, you think about it. I've got this spiritual problem. I, I, I'm a sinner. Uh, I've, I'm alienated from God. Um, but maybe if I just work real, real hard, I can get over that. You know, I can fix it. If I work hard, I can fix it myself. I won't, you know, sometimes if, you, if your car is broken down and you say, I think I can fix that myself. I'd hate to have to take it to the mechanic and pay a big price for it. I'll, I'll just fix that myself. I'll just, it's a hard job, but I'll work real hard and I'll just fix it myself. And you might, you know, if anybody suggests that about our spiritual problems, they're they way off base. We could never, no matter what, work hard enough or effective enough to solve the problem of sin in our life. Daniel 9, verse 18. Oh, my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. In other words, Daniel's saying, we're not coming before you, God, to say how great we are and how much we deserve for you to look favorably upon us. We're coming before you because we're begging for mercy. Yeah. And then Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I, I guess there would probably be some people say, you guys don't believe that verse, do you? And the answer is we absolutely do believe that verse. By grace we are saved by faith. By, by grace are you saved through faith. We believe that. Yes. Uh, the reason they would say that we don't believe that is because of the last phrase there, not of works, lest any man should boast. They say, well, there's, there, you say there's things you've got to do. And this says we're saved by grace through faith. But you guys say there's work to do. But this says not of works. Now, we're going to go to that as we continue in our study. But I, And we've, we've talked about this any number of times. But it, as, as I very often say, if you, if you underline things in your Bible or make notes in the margin... Right there at Acts or Ephesians two, Ephesians two eight and nine, where it says not of works. Underline that and then draw an arrow to the very next phrase, lest any man should boast. So, so the kind of works that he's talking about there are works of merit. We are saved by grace through faith, and it is not by works of merit. There's no amount of works I could do, no, no degree of difficulty, no compiled amount of work that I could accomplish that would ever save me. There's no works, the likes of which I could boast and say, okay, now, I've earned it. You've got to give it to me, God, because I earned it. Look at me. Look what I did. There are no works of that nature that would ever compile to our salvation. It's just not possible. But that uh, that's, I think, so important in that verse. Not of works. What kind of works? The kind that you could boast about, lest any man should boast. Now, we're going to talk uh, here in just a minute about the, the necessity of obeying commands to be, be made right with God. But I'm going to tell you, if I do what God asked me to do, there's still no bragging. There's no bragging rights. Associated. So I'm, I'm baptized. And some of our religious friends will say, well, baptism is a work. And I would agree that it's a work of obedience, but it's not a work to brag about. I ain't got nothing to brag about just because of it. Look at me, man. I have been baptized. Well, so what? Only It's only significant in relationship to God's instruction 
for me to obtain his grace and mercy and forgiveness. It's not something I can brag about and say, look at me, look what I did. Again, we have to harmonize Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 with the rest of the New Testament that tells us other things that save as well, such as baptism, 1 Peter three twenty one, And so the works that is condemning, condemning there are works of uh, meritorious works and uh, not works of obedience. Yeah, you're right. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Stephen in the chat room tonight uh, said, uh, if I can get there, he said, uh, yet God, uh, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ uh, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. He references Romans chapter 3, verse 24, tells us that we're saved freely by God's grace, where it says, Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Right. All right. right. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, we, we believe absolutely in the, the essential role of grace in our salvation. And what's wonderful about it is we asked the, the, the last part of that first question is, to whom is it available? Uh, and, and the answer is it's available to everyone. Um, what a horrible circumstance! If if you, Kyle, we've used this example before. You've got some physical ailment, and it's and it, it it will kill you if not treated. We have a treatment for it, but you can't have any. Can you imagine what a horrible situation that would be? In other words, to know that there's 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 a cure for what you've got, but but you're not you don't qualify. You can't have any what would it be like if in regards to our sins and our need of salvation there's a there's a there's a avenue to be saved out there but you aren't qualified for you don't get to participate in it but you know that's exactly what what some of our religious friends teach yes uh those who teach uh, that that men are predestined to either salvation or damnation are basically saying that the grace of god which is so critical is not available to everyone, only to certain select individuals. Um, that's just simply not true to the Scriptures. Uh, Hebrews 2, verse 9, we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Notice that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. By the grace of God, Jesus died for every man. He didn't die for just some men. He died for every man. All right. It's right. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Grace is available to all. Yeah. Uh, we uh, need to understand the scriptures are very clear on that. Um, uh, Stephen has some more comments here. Uh uh, uh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, let's see if I can catch what he's saying here. He, God wouldn't be a righteous God if He didn't punish sin. Uh, Jesus on the cross uh, paid the price for sin. I, I, I think that's what he's saying. Like like a convicted felon, we need a, predi- a presidential pardon, and God has made that available through His grace through Jesus. All right. Um, should we get a break? Yeah, let's grab our next break. And when we come back from this, we want to ask the question, what does grace, what, uh, is it true? We asked, does grace mean there's nothing you need to do to be saved? All right. When we get back, we'll get into that discussion and we'll look forward to your comments. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Lying is epidemic in our society. In The Day America Told the Truth, authors Peter Kim and James Patterson report that as many as 90% of all Americans lie regularly. We frequently hear allegations of lying at the highest levels of our government. How does God regard all of this lying anyway? Quote, there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. 
Proverbs 12, verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. And God has plainly told us the result of all such lying. Quote, A false witness shall not go unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall not escape. Proverbs 19, verse 5. But someone objects, My lies are not so serious as those told by high government officials. Mine are not as bad as those of others who are reported in the news and so forth. Theirs are big and black, while mine are little and white. Sorry, that's not how God sees it. Revelation 21 verse 8 says, The fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We must be committed to telling the truth at all times and in all circumstances. Ephesians 4.25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Colossians 3 verse 9 says, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. If the previously mentioned report is anywhere close to accurate, that report which says 90% of Americans lie regularly, it means you can scarcely trust anyone. But can others trust you? That's the big question. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. This program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have a suggestion or a question or a comment, send it in to questions at collegeview.com. Talking about grace on the program tonight. All right, so... Is it true? Does grace mean, therefore, that there's nothing you have to do to be saved? First of all, I just want to reiterate. uh, It's so important that we never forget about God's grace. And it needs to be constantly in mind, and we should emphasize it in our teaching. And uh, and the criticism is that we haven't emphasized it enough, and and if that uh, we accept that criticism and and. We want to, and we're trying to address that. We don't want to. We, if we have underemphasized it, and 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 my guess is maybe we have, it is not intentional because we understand the importance of it, and we'll try to do better. Okay, uh, uh, we'll try to correct that. So, does grace mean that we don't have to do anything to be saved? Um, certainly, there's a lot of false teaching in the in the religious world about grace and and i'm concerned that even some in churches of christ are crossing the line on what they teach about the subject of grace and and of course a a lot of that false teaching would center on the idea that grace means therefore there's nothing for you to do it's all about grace god gonna bless you no matter what um in the book of acts in fact, this is an interesting study. We're engaged in it in our in our Sunday morning Bible class here at College View. The book of Acts is a book just full of conversion stories, people who were converted to Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just a handful, not just several dozen, not a few hundred, but actually thousands of people in the book of Acts. Their stories are recorded in the book of Acts. And you can read it from front to back, and there was never a case of conversion in the book of Acts where people were told to do nothing. Um just look at a, let me let me cite a few verses acts 237 after peter and the apostles had preached on pentecost it says when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said to peter and the rest of the apostles men brethren what shall we do okay so they actually asked the question what shall we do and if there was nothing to do the answer from peter would have been there's nothing to do <laughs> But that's not the answer he gave. Yeah. It's probably a hard task to baptize 3,000 people. I'm sure it's a, that's a lot of work. That's all. For, oh, I hadn't thought about it. Just on his part, that's going to be a long day. That's a very long day. Yeah. Kyle's thinking logistics here. Yeah. So, so on Peter's part, it would have been easier to say, oh, well, there's nothing for you to do because you're saved by grace. You don't have to do anything. He didn't say that. Of course, we know the next verse, verse 38, Acts 2. Repent of you, baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So very first case of conversion, the very first people converted to Christ actually ask, what shall we do? And they were not given the answer, do nothing. They were told to do something in obedience. Uh, chapter 9, verse 6, Saul of Tarsus, 
who became, of course, the Apostle Paul. He trembling and astonished. This is on the road to Damascus. He trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And Jesus had the opportunity to set him straight on grace here. Yeah. If grace just means you don't have to do anything. Yeah. Why did he say what you have to do? He should have said, you're saved. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So uh, when, when, when Saul of Tarsus asked, what shall I do? What would you have me to do? Jesus didn't say, do nothing. He said, go in the city. And it'll be told thee not what you could do optionally. He said, it'll be told thee what thou must do. And then one more example, although we could cite more. The Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16 you remember the story? Paul and Silas had been thrown in jail. They're singing praises to God sometime after midnight. There's a great earthquake. The prison doors are open. The jailer thinks his prisoners have escaped. He's about to commit suicide. Uh, Paul says, do thyself no harm. We are all here. And in verse 29, he called for light. And that is the jailer. The jailer called for light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Again, read the storyline. You know that he took him out of the prison that same hour of the night and was baptized. They instructed him, and in the same hour of the night, he was baptized. Which actually is interesting, as we've talked many times about it. He put his life at risk to take them out of the hospital, or out of the hospital, out of the prison, to take him in the same hour of the night, out of the prison, to be baptized. Uh, if it wasn't essential, when they when he asked, "What must I do to be saved?" They didn't say, "Don't nothing." There's nothing to do now by faith through through faith and and by God's grace, you are saved. So uh, God has made salvation possible, but there's something you have to do to be saved. That's right. Now, to be uh, to be fair here in verse 31, the context of Acts 16, he he did answer. They answered, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your house, you and your household. We believe that belief requires and mandates obedience, that uh, the kind of faith that God expects is the kind of faith that acts. And we see that later on in the story as they, he is baptized. But I want to go back to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, you mentioned there in verse 37, they ask Peter, men and brethren, what must we do? Now, these folks that are teaching that grace is, grace is the only thing you have to do. I mean, you don't have to do anything because God's grace covers it all. Verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, there's a lot of controversy. Folks want to say, Oh, that baptism means you don't have to be baptized to be saved, but you do have to repent. Well, even folks who don't want to admit baptism, they still want to say you have to repent. That's something you have to do. And then Paul, I mean, if if you think it's just all you have to do is have faith, that's something you have to do. You have to believe. You have to confess. Many will uh, will admit you've got to confess. Well, if grace just means there's... It takes care of everything. Don't worry about it. Then these folks are caught in a little bit of a uh, conflict. Exactly. If there's anything at all you must do, if you must believe even, then that's something you got to do. If you must confess, that's something you got to do. If you have to repent, that's something you have to do. Baptism is just something that you have to do. Stephen mentions the sinner's prayer. You know, a lot of folks that are touting this idea that grace, you don't have to, you don't have to obey. You just have to trust in grace. Well, they said we need to say a sinner's prayer. Well, that's doing something. Good point, Stephen. And then another Stephen references Jesus' great commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Well, I always I always yeah, blend Mark's account with Matthew's. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, yeah. baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all everything I have commanded you. Exactly. And surely I'm with you always to the end, very end of the age. Uh, teach, baptize, and teach. Okay. Uh, there in Matthew's account of the Great okay. Commission. Exactly right. Dwight says salvation is in Jesus Christ. Second Timothy two ten. Spiritual blessings are in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter one verse three. Redemption and forgiveness comes through Him. Ephesians one verse seven. And he references Galatians three twenty seven that said, in order to be in Him, you must be baptized into Him. And Donna down in Florida tonight says we have to produce good fruit and trust God. We also must become a student of Jesus and learn all we can absorb about his word and then share it with others. Okay, thanks, Thanks, Donna. Donna. I got an email here that just came in from Donna. She's got a comment on our our last question. We'll get to that here in a minute. Okay. Uh, Peter in Australia says, We are not saved by grace alone. 
we must obey God's instructions. We must repent of our sins, which I think is exactly right. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And if we're going to com- if we're going to toss out the idea that we've got to be obedient, we've got to toss out the idea of repentance as well. And we have to ignore that Jesus said, if we don't repent, we'll perish. And so these folks that are saying that God's grace covers it all and that we don't have to respond are ignoring what Jesus said on the subject. Okay. Thanks, Peter. Uh, so in, there is something to do. Obe- and, and obedience is necessary in order to receive God's grace. We have to receive God's grace. We can't earn it. It's undeserved. But But there is necessary obedience. I want to build a, a, a real quick argument from the book of First Corinthians. Uh, the book of First Corinthians starts out, First Corinthians 1 verse 3, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Paul had a lot to say about grace. In fact, if my count is right, he mentioned grace 20 times in First and Second Corinthians. Wow. So obviously that's, that's an important subject for him. Uh, of course, we believe he was inspired of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, through Paul, made this a very important subject. Yep. But notice, chapter 1, verse 3, grace be unto you. Now, notice elsewhere in 1 Corinthians, all, this is all from 1 Corinthians. Chapter 7, verse 19, circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. Well, wait a minute, I thought it was about grace. No, he says, he says it is about grace, but he also says it's about keeping the commandments of God. Chapter 11, verse 1, beginning, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. So it's it's about grace, but it's about keeping the ordinances, too. And then we will skip into 2 Corinthians for this last verse. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 9, To this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. So, Here's Paul who mentions in First and Second Corinthians he mentions grace twenty times. Great, that's that's so important. But you cannot ignore that he also taught about obedience. And what you have to conclude from that, Jacob, is that grace and obedience are not contradictory concepts. They're not, and it's not. It it is not contradictory uh, to say that we must obey God. Otherwise. We've got a lot of wasted ink and paper in our Bibles of God telling us what he expects of us. Exactly right. If grace is all that mattered. Exactly right. Okay. Um, let's, grab, let's, let's, let's grab our last break, Jacob, and then when we come back, we want to talk about, does grace sort of wash over all our doctrinal differences? Oh. And then finally, we want to talk about, is our eternal salvation guaranteed? If we're believers, is our eternal salvation guaranteed by the grace of God? All right. We're going to get that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. When you take away the ice cream socials, the family center, the gym, the fellowship hall, and the plays from your church, what do you have left? Is there anything of real spiritual substance? Is there anything that says this is all about God and not all about me? At the College View Church of Christ, we want to stay focused on the goal of serving God. We don't offer what most churches offer, but we do offer Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If that's what you're looking for, come worship with us this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. According to a study conducted by the University of Massachusetts, 60% of adults can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. But even that number makes it sound better than it really is. Those people in the study who did lie actually told an average of three lies during their brief 10-minute chat. That information is via mentalfloss.com. The Word of God says in Colossians 3, verse 9, Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program. We're going to the top of the hour talking about grace on the virtual Bible study tonight. All right, so we, we I hope we've defined grace accurately and carefully. We've demonstrated our great need for it. We we rejoice in the fact that it's available and it's available to everybody. But it doesn't mean there's not anything you have to do. It doesn't mean that you don't have to worry about being obedient. Obedience is necessary. I hope we've clearly spelled that out. Let's talk specifically about baptism, Jacob. Okay. 
So, I'm saved by grace through faith. Do I have to be baptized? Well, we, we looked at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and, and where it goes on to say, By grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we right. pointed out the not of works, lest any man should boast, describes the kind of works he's, he's saying. There's no works to boast of. There's no works you can do that you could boast about. But as you pointed out, Jacob, baptism's really no more of a work than is repentance or confession. You know, you think about confession. I've tried to make this point before. I don't know if it registers with people. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, verse 10 says. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say the words, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I actually burned up some calories when I said that. Yeah. Not a lot. I wish I could burn some more. But but I actually did burn up some calories when I formed those words, when I exhaled my breath and forced it through my voice box and out past my tongue and teeth and lips. And I actually did something. I had to exert some energy, burn some calories to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I actually did something. And it wasn't just a mental exercise either. It was a physical exercise. Yeah. Uh, That's one thing. But I'll tell you what's even more, the idea of repentance. To say that that's not work. Tell the alcoholic that wants to repent of that that it's not work. Yeah. Tell tell uh, Tell the thief that is told to steal no more, but labor working with his hands. That's not work to quit stealing and start working for a living? I mean, to say that we don't have to work, but we've got to repent, we've got to confess, is to just not be logical. I think you're exactly right. All right, so what, well, let's talk about just, I just want to go to one passage just, just to address this this idea that those repentance confession that's okay we, we won't we won't object to that but man we are not going to let you guys teach the necessity of baptism and because when you do then you're negating god's grace when you do it titus 3 beginning verse 4 after that the kindness and love of god our savior toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the holy ghost which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. All right, there's grace. Right there at the end, being justified by his grace, Uh we are made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. There's grace. Right at the start, it mentioned the kindness and love of God. So we got grace. We got God's kindness and love. And then he says, according to his mercy, he saved us. Not according to works, not by works which we have done. Yeah, not not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according. So look at this. It's his kindness and love. It's his mercy. It's his grace. He saved us, and it wasn't, we didn't earn it. It wasn't by works of righteousness that we were able to do this. It was by his kindness and love, by his mercy, by his grace. Notice. But it was also by the washing of regeneration. That's an expression that describes baptism. The washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. The washing of regeneration is 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 a descriptive term about baptism. So in the context of grace and mercy and kindness and love and being saved is a, is a reference to being baptized. It does not uh, remove the necessity of us to be obedient in baptism. And in the other commands that God has given us. 877-381-4567. A little bit of time. We can take your questions tonight. All right. Finally, we're going to have to hurry here a little bit. But we ask, is it true that grace means doctrinal differences are irrelevant? Um, some people have the idea. And I think it's very common. Uh, and and sometimes I think it's possible to get over sort of overdone one way or the other. And and. And when we when we see some instances of, of people emphasizing grace so much so that they lose lose the other side of the spectrum. I know, I know it, grace is so important, but 
we can't go so far in the description of grace and in the and and appreciation for grace that we neglect to teach that we must obey uh that we must be baptized and we cannot go so far into the grace direction that we say the doctrinal issues are unimportant but a lot of people are doing that yes um nothing really matters uh you believe i believe god's grace will cover everything else yes that, that, that's sort of their approach uh I think my analysis is that every New Testament book that has the word grace in it also emphasizes the importance of maintaining doctrinal purity. Let me give you an example. In Galatians chapter 1, beginning verse 6, Paul says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Oh, there he mentions they had been called into the grace of Christ. But someone had come along and called them to another gospel, which is not another, but they be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And so, uh, uh, yes, we're, we're in the grace of God, but that doesn't mean we just go around teaching and anything we want or practice, we would be accursed. He said to these Galatians, they'd been called into the grace of God, but some were trying to lead them away following a different gospel, a different doctrine. They would be accursed if they did that. Yes. Uh, so it that in and of itself, that verse in and of itself shows us uh, that salvation is not guaranteed for those who are going to just say doctrinal differences don't matter. Exactly. All right. And then finally, our final question that we sent out earlier today was, is eternal salvation guaranteed to the believer because of grace? Um, Peter in uh, Australia said, I don't believe eternal salvation is guaranteed solely because of grace. We have to truly believe as well, which is, includes not calling Jesus Christ a liar by claiming that the Old Testament isn't truthful. I'm not sure what that means exactly, Peter. I'll maybe get some clarification from you later. Uh he says, oh, he goes, I'm thinking especially of Genesis and creation as opposed to the myth of general evolution. Oh, I got, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Peter. He's saying salvation is not guaranteed because of grace. He says we have to truly believe, and true belief will lead to obedience. But then I, he, he obviously has something uh, much on his mind. I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe the Genesis creation account. I, I believe in Jesus, and I believe in the grace of God, but I don't believe that. Uh, Noah's flood, maybe. Yeah, but he, he mentions Genesis, and, yeah. and the Genesis creation. If I believe in Jesus, i got to believe in the Genesis creation account because Jesus believed in that. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Thank you, Peter. Stephen, uh, in his email tonight, to the question, is eternal salvation guaranteed to the believer because of grace? He says, I certainly don't believe in once saved, always saved. However, some of the explanations I hear from within the brotherhood leave me deeply troubled as to their understanding of grace. I've heard it said a hundred times, hundreds of times, when you sin and don't repent, you have fallen from grace. Well, I think that's sort of what we heard about. Well, we'll talk about that. One brother went so far as to say, if your car left the road headed for a tree and you cursed and died before you had time to repent, you went to hell. Another sister told me, 50 plus years as a Christian, I have. I hope that you have enough good works to make it to heaven. In Revelation chapter two, verse ten, Jesus said, "Be faithful unto death; I will give you the crown of life." Faithful equals full of faith, or in other words, as long as you have put your trust, faith, and future in Christ's finished work on the cross, without relying on anything you can do to what is already finished, then you are already a conqueror. The fact that Jesus is the author, He started it and finisher, He will complete it. Of our faith means that we are eternally secure. There's only when one starts to rely on their own accomplishments as being meritorious is when we fall from grace. Salvation is then no longer a gift, but something we do meet. Galatians 5, 1 through 4, And I testify to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. I have heard many preachers with in the brotherhood who claim that under the new covenant, we, the church, are obligated to keep nine of the Ten Commandments, Romans five twenty. Paul said, and the law came in that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That as sin reigned in death, hence all died, even 
so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. To me, eternal life sounds like eternal salvation. Yeah, uh, Stephen is saying it a little different, but he's, uh, I mean, everything he said is qualified by his first statement. I don't, I certainly don't believe in once saved, always saved. Uh, that's what some people teach based on grace is once saved, always saved. Uh, I also noted in his, in his rather long answer there, I noticed uh, this sister said, I hope I have enough good works to make it heaven. No, I, I tell you right now, you don't. You don't have enough good works to make it to heaven. Yeah. Because that would suggest the idea of earning it. And we can't earn it. It's, there's nothing you can do that would earn your salvation. And there is a sense of security. We are eternally secure as long as we keep uh, having faith in Jesus as our uh, as our Savior. And that faith includes obedience. Uh, and so there is a, a, a sense of security for the believer but it's, it's not unconditional security. And he mentions that you can fall from grace, which is a very important but, verse. There. But he has problems with someone say, when you sin and don't repent, you've fallen from grace. He has a problem with that. And oh, did he say yeah, that? I didn't a, catch that. Yeah. He's, he's got, he, he says people don't understand grace because they say that. Well, that's what Galatians chapter 5, verse 4 said, that if you trans, if you're, if you're, Falling, you're not. You're doing something that's beyond God's law. There, you're falling from grace. It said. It said mm-hmm. if you left the road, if your car left the road, headed for a tree, and you cursed and oh, died before it. you had time to repent, you went to hell. Well, some of that we're going to leave in God's camp. But what if you, what if you're headed for that tree and you say, I don't believe in Jesus anymore, and you don't have time to repent? Are you going to go to heaven? I think you can fall from grace. Let's talk uh, about that, that real, real, real quickly. Let's look at those verses. The, the the I think the overwhelmingly powerful verse is Galatians five four. Stephen mentioned it. We may take we may have a different take on that. I didn't realize that, but Galatians five four says Christ has become no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Now understand we understand the context of that was about Judaizing teachers who were trying to demand circumcision for Gentile converts. Uh, and uh, of course that's not a battle we fight a lot uh, in in our time. And so the context of the statement is not what we're arguing about. We're just we just wanting to look at that concept. You can fall from grace. Now, in the context, falling from grace would be going back and trying to enforce the law of Moses, right? Uh, if you if you're trying to be justified by the law, you're falling from grace. <clears throat> but our emphasis here is it was possible to fall from grace. Now we may not do it the same way they did it, but you can fall from grace. Uh, every once in a while, we hear some of our religious friends say, "Well, if if you're not saved, if you're lost, it proves you never were saved in the first place." That's actually wrong, because if you can fall, you got to be in grace in order to fall from grace. Right. And so the, the the very idea that Paul suggests that it was possible to fall from grace indicates that it can be done. Okay. Second uh, Corinthians six verse one. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. So here he's writing to Christians, and he said they could receive the grace of God in vain. It wouldn't do them any good. If you once you received it, you'd received it. Yeah. Yeah. How could you receive it in vain? Yeah. And then Hebrews twelve fifteen, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The grace of God can fail if you allow a root of bitterness to spring up uh, and be defiled. And so those verses definitely teach that it's possible. I got an email here. I got to get quickly to Donna. Uh, Donna in Florida, she said, uh, when I read the question, I thought even the demons believe. She's referencing there uh, James chapter 2, verse 19. Thanks, Donna. Uh, she says, we must... Uh, uh, there is more to do than just believe. We must also put our trust in God and produce good fruit. Titus 3, 4 through 8. Uh, God, our Savior, showed us his kindness and love. He saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins and gave us a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us because of what Jesus Christ, uh, our Savior, did. He declared us not guilty because of his great kindness. And now we know that we inherit eternal life. These things I have told you are all true. I want you to insist on them so that everyone who trusts in God will be careful to do good deeds at the time or all the time. These things are good and beneficial for everyone. That's 
I don't recognize that translation, but that's that's a, 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 a reference to Titus 3, verses 4 through 8. Thanks, Donna. Hey, Donna. Thanks for your email tonight. Well, with that, uh, we're out of time. Uh, it's been an important discussion about God's grace. Uh, certainly, we haven't covered all that we could cover on this subject, but um, folks probably disagree with some of the things we said, and if they do, we'd like to hear from them uh, and be open to a discussion, not so that we could win a fight or that we could be right and you're wrong, but so that we could all understand uh, the truth more accurately. And so we encourage you, questions at collegeu.com's email address to use to contact us at any time. All right. We'd love to hear from you. Kyle, thanks for helping us get on the air tonight. It was good to be here. Glad that you were here. Did I miss any comments from you tonight? No, I think uh, I think listeners, those who would criticize us for not talking about grace, uh, I think just because the title of the topic isn't grace doesn't mean we're not necessarily, as we teach and preach the whole counsel of God, I think we're grace is covered in all the things we're talking about. I think it's worldly lust, ungodliness, things we're supposed to keep away from that Jesus taught us from. That is abiding in God's grace. I think that's something we need to be mindful of. I, I like the way you said that. Just because we don't mention it every time doesn't mean that it's not important or or that we don't value the subject of grace. Absolutely. All right, uh, Dad, thanks for good discussion tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you all for being here. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.